0: The Island of Prempers by Ginger Juan. There are nine characters in this story Alfred, who is the main character in this story, Lindsay, who is Alfred's sister, Mr. and Mrs. Prempers. The rulers of the island of Premper Mr. Ribbles, the one and only bookstore owner, Miss Clark, the school principal, Mr. Hewitt, the handmake shop owner, Mrs. Francis, the hair salon owner, Mr. Barnett, the zookeeper, and Miss Divine, The Art Teacher Chapter 1, Introduction You might have heard of poor parents who have these naughty children and get pranked every day or even have wicked and mean children who don't want them in their lives. Well, this story is totally different. Parents these days at the Island of Prempers were very lucky. You might think the leaders of this island, Mr. and Mrs. Prempers, were very lazy or mean, but the truth is, they were actually pretty nice. Yes, it was true that they were good people, but they were not good at ruling the Island of Prempers. The reason I say adults here are lucky is because of Mr. and Mrs. Prempers. They were nice and helpful when you asked them for help, but the problem is, the couple locked themselves in their grand castle every day. Seriously. Every second of the day. In case you're wondering what life here at the island of Prempers was like, let me fill you in. Mr. and Mrs. Prempers were just one young couple who hung around their castle the whole time. No one really knew what's going on in that place. If someone wanted to see them, they would be scared away by the creatures who only obeyed the prempers. Actually, the creatures weren't the ones who scared away the people. They only walked around the castle, but there was a moat outside the castle of the prempers, so the citizens couldn't go in. Well, not only the citizens weren't allowed in the castle, even the rulers of the island of Kirtland, who owned the island next to the island of Prempers. When important people came to the island to visit Mr. and Mrs. Prempers, the Prempers would only allow them to stand outside and yell at them. What do you want? Mr. and Prempers always shouted from the inside in a british accent don't waste my time we would like to meet you mr and mrs Primpers, the people from outside yelled back no thanks i'd rather spend more time with my wife thank you the man shouted then we'd like to ask you some questions screamed the people outside of the castle shall we start just ask them Mr. Primpers said rolling his eyeballs, although no one could actually see them because he was hiding behind a curtain. After they asked all of their questions, Mr. Primpers would just shut the window tight and close the curtains. This story is about Mr. and Mrs. Premper's anyway, so let's get started. This story is about Alfred, a little boy with brown hair and freckles all over his face. The interesting thing about little Alfred is that he was the son of Mr. and Mrs. Prempers. Well, he was. One peaceful night, while the whole island was asleep, the moon shone and the stars twinkled. That's when the island was woken up by the terrible scream of Mrs. Prempers. Nobody really knew what was going on, so they just went back to sleep, but luckily, As the narrator, I know exactly what happened. Mrs. Prempers was giving birth to her first baby. You might think this whole thing is a very exciting event for the island of Prempers, but it really was not. Want to know why? Because the very next second, the cute little boy was thrown out into the moat by his very own mother. Sploosh! Sploosh! Luckily, babies are good at squib- swimming because they stayed in their mom's womb for a long time. In the morning, a, lo- a fisherman walked by and was just about to go fishing in the moat, and he saw the little boy. That's right, he wants to fish in the moat. It's because the would withdrew whatever they didn't need right into the moat, just like baby Alfred. He took the boy home and took care of him. The fisherman's wife was dead, and he had a baby girl before he met Alfred. Alfred grew up grew up in the fisherman's old house with his sister, Lindsay. Lindsay was a good girl, but she hated going to school. She would often pay her brother a few pennies to tell the teacher she was sick. Soon the teachers all believed that Lindsay's health was not really good. That's how Alfred saved his money. He wanted to buy himself a big toy castle. The fisherman told little Alfred stories about his real mom and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Premper's, the rulers of the island. Now, let me tell you more about this island. The Island of Premper's, Chapter 2 adults remember how i said grown-ups here were very lucky well it was because mr and mrs primbers would never let the citizens in their castle or even talk to them so the adults could do whatever they wanted that was why the grown-ups here were also mean and horrible for example the one and only bookstore owner mr ribble mr ribble was very old he loved books. They were his treasures. There was bookshelf after bookshelf in the bookstore and each of them was filled with old books. When you walk inside you will see the old man clutching a feather duster opening each precious book and each page swiping the dust away. Swish 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 swish. If you're quiet enough, Mr. Ribble might not realize you're there, but if you're lucky, the man would snarl at you. Don't touch my precious books. Don't even bother telling the bookstore owner you want to buy a book. It'll just get you in trouble. Which may or may not involve someone swiping you out of the store. I'm just kidding. That would definitely happen. But believe me, Keeping quiet in the old bookstore is not easy. First of all, the door will creak when you open it and the floor will do the same. Take my advice, just stay out of there. Next, let's meet the school principal, Miss Clark. Miss Clark was not bad. She was horrible. She made the teachers give children extra homework every day, although the teachers were happy about that. She told the children to have their lunch out in the freezing cold in winter and in the hot weather in summer. When she announced the children could eat indoors, it was fall and spring when the weather was nice so she and the other teachers could go out having little picnic parties while the poor kids stayed inside in the hot classrooms. There was no recess or break in between classes either just tests after tests and the class after class. Of course, most of the teachers slept through classes, but detention was the worst. While all the other children were happily going home, the kids who were in detention had to stand on their chairs, which were put upside down on their desks they would have to stand on one leg balancing their books on their heads for 3 whole hours. Miss Clark would be there herself watching. If anyone fell or dropped their books, Miss Clark would make him or her write down on one of her notebooks, I will not be naughty in detention 100 times. Miss Clark's goal is to fill the entire notebook with I will not be naughty in detention, so she could win herself the meanest school principal prize, because if she won the award, all of the other teachers from other islands and other countries will admire her. She would print out the paper saying, "Miss Clark, meanest school principal. She would have the 1000 pages notebook to prove she was the meanest one, just in case anyone ever asked. Our next horrible adult is the owner of the handmade product shop, shop, Mr. Hewitt. Mr. Hewitt's shop was children only, and the grown-ups weren't allowed inside. He sold all kinds of things, which he made himself. Alarm clocks, toys, pencils, little robots. But of course, every one of these things have their own issues. Mr. Hewitt set the alarm clocks three hours late and that caused the children to go to school at 12 o'clock when it was already time for lunch. That was probably the reason why most of the children spent their after school free time in detention instead of going home. There were three types of toys from Mr. Hewitt's store. One that would blow up when you opened the wrapping paper, one that would crumble to pieces, and one that would transfer anything it in touches into Mr. Hewitt's hands. So you'd better keep your credit card away from that thing if you ever have a chance to visit the island of Premper's. The pencils from his shop would break whenever you try to write them. If you get lucky, you might get ones that would bite your fingers off. Yes, it's as dangerous as it sounds. Needless to say, the little robots were the thing that Mr. Hewitt was most proud of. It would go around your house at a tremendous speed and totally turn the house upside down. No kidding, literally turn the house upside down. Basically, Mr. Hewitt sold things that would give your parents more excuse to punish you. Let's see how Mrs. Francis, the hairstylist, was doing. Mrs. Francis had the world's longest hair. Well, not the world's longest, the island's longest. Her straight and shiny black hair is her most precious baby. It costs more than diamonds, and she would never cut it. The funny thing is, whenever a little girl or a with pretty long hair came to her hair salon or just passed by, she would pick up her gigantic golden scissor and cut it right off, leaving the girl crying. Mrs. Francis babied her hair like they were really alive and she looked in the mirror almost every second of the day. If a boy entered her salon, she would settle him down on a really uncomfortable chair and snip away. Snip, snip, snip. After a few minutes, the boy should look like a hairy dog who just took a shower. When the boy shook away the hair on his shirt and looked in the mirror, Mrs. Francis would laugh like crazy which, as the boy screamed and ran away. She enjoyed it as much as looking herself in the mirror. Children who got a haircut should not be able to come out of their bedrooms for at least three weeks or they would be taunted by their parents. Adults are forbidden to enter her salon. It's probably for the best anyway. Seeing their children running out of the salon with an insane looking haircut, parents would just laugh at them and go home. I don't think they would want to get a haircut by Mrs. Francis anyway. There were some shops that only adults could enter, although no kids really knew where they were. That's why adults usually have great haircuts. They brought all of their stuff. They bought all their stuff at those secret shops, and they never shared them with their kids. Now let's meet the zookeeper, Mr. Barnett. You might think Mr. and Mrs. Prempers were very thoughtful opening a zoo. On a little island, but the truth is, it's just turned into another place where grown-ups can torture children. Mister Barnett always carried his whistle around, and when he saw children do, s- children do something bad, he would blow his whistle and use a red mark, permanent marker, to write on the child's face. I am forbidden to come to the zoo. His goal is to ban every single child from the zoo. That way he could enjoy the zoo all by himself. When I said do something bad, I mean do something against Mr. Barnett's rules, which is something like this. This is the big bulletin board Mr. Barnett put on his zoo's gates. Rules of zoo. One, children are forbidden to look at my animals or pet them. Two, Children are forbidden to drink or eat in the zoo. Three, children are forbidden to make eye contact with me. Four, children are forbidden to come into the zoo if I say so. See what I'm saying? These grown-ups are experts at making children miserable. Last, let's visit visit the only art teacher in this whole island, Miss Divine. Miss Devine is a teacher who pretty much took over the whole art class thing. She painted the pictures for the children, she cleaned the place, she did everything. All you have to do if you were her students is sit around and wait for class to end. But the problem is, most parents knew Miss Devine does everything, so they would usually let their children have their class for at least three or four hours. Actually, watching Miss Devine paint isn't pleasured at all. She watched the blank piece of paper from a thousand different angles and dug her paintbrush into some paint and the colors together and brushed the paper. As the child watched, she said nothing and just kept painting. When the four hours passed by, she should be done with her work. Once the child walked out of the classroom, they should be looking like they were in there for a hundred years or something. Yep, I think that's it. Now, after some knowing the meanest adults on this small island, let's jump back into the story. The Island of Prempers, Chapter 3, Alfred, by Ginger John. As you know, a little Alfred was Mr. and Mrs. Premper's son, but they didn't know it. The couple had never met their stum- son after he was thrown out in the moat, and they have never, ever thought of him. No one except for Alfred himself and the fisherman knew, not even his sister Lindsay. Alfred became curious about his real parents. He wanted to meet them, but he was also pretty mad at them for the way he they ruled this island, and how they didn't even care about the children's life. So Alfred decided he would go to look for him, them and give them some punishment. He was already working on plan to meet them, since he couldn't just go in and say Hi, I'm your son, so you'd have to let me come in. He was gathering facts about Mr. and Mrs. Premper so he could hit them where it really hurts. Don't blame him for being so rude to his own parents. If you lived in the island of Prempers for your whole life, you'd know what I'm talking about. Alfred didn't know much about them, although he spent years trying to gather enough information. But like I said before, no one really knew what was going on inside the castle of Prempers. All he knew was these. Mr. and Mrs. Prempers were just a regular couple who lived in South America then, and then they started planning on having an island on their own. After a few years, they bought an island and built a castle. They lived there for several months when some other people found the island and they lived on it. Mr. and Mrs. Prempers didn't know because they spent all their time in their castle. Soon, other people bought the islands around them, and the island of Prempers was known as to be the place where all the evilest grown-ups go. Mr. and Mrs. Prempers didn't really mind as long as the people didn't bother them. Later, they had little Alfred, and he was thrown out into the moat. At home, Alfred put his information about Mr. and Mrs. Primrose on a bulletin board in his room, which he hung on the wall and covered it with his bedsheet so no one would ever find out. He and Lindsay used to share a room, but then the fishermen built another hut next to their house, and now Alfred had a little hut all to himself. Lindsay would come to his room, but that's when she came to take clothes to the river, One day, Alfred was at school. His sister had paid him again to tell the teacher she was sick. Lindsay was holding hers in her dad's laundry, and she wobbled to Alfred's hut. She threw the pile down onto the floor and collected Alfred's clothes. "'This thing is filthy,' she said as she pulled the best sheet down and gasped. She read the newspapers on the board and examined the pictures carefully. After she read every single thing on the board, she put the bedsheet back onto it. She had found Alfred's secret. When Alfred came home from school, the fisherman was still out in the market. On the way home, Alfred found a newspaper about the preppers, so he sneaked one into his pocket. Lindsay was waiting for him at the door. Alfred, she started. I, I found out your secret. What secret? Alfred said, throwing his backpack on the ground. Lindsay hesitated. I know you're trying to find out the truth about Mr. and Mrs. Primpers. I saw the bulletin board you were hiding. I know you're trying to get revenge. Alfred stopped dead in his tracks. Will you tell that? He asked. Lindsay shook her head. Then what are you going to do about it? I'm going to help you, she said. Seriously? Yeah, I know just how. Alfred opened his eyes wide. He listened to his sister as she explained what happened. A few days ago, I woke up because I felt something was wrong, Lindsay said. So I got up and searched the whole house. Then I heard some noise coming from the garden, and I found a creature in our garden. Here, let me show you. Lindsay led Alfred into the back of the hut, and there was a creature with yellow skin and brown polka dots, and very, very, very long neck. It was eating leaves from the tree. Its tongue curved, grabbed the leaves, and put them in its mouth. Alfred was very surprised. "'What is this thing?' he cried. "'A monster is here all the time.' No, I've been keeping her as a secret. She's a baby giraffe, and I think she was just lost or something. How is she going to help us, Alfred asked. Well, Lindsay said mysteriously, rubbing her hands together. I fed her stretchy berries. She pulled out three small purple berries and held them out in her palm. What does it do? Alfred asked. You know... It lets whoever ate it become stretchy. I fed her deer already, Lindsay replied. Where did it come from, Lindsay? I had never seen a giraffe before. Maybe from the zoo. That's the only likely place. We have never seen a giraffe because we can't look at the animals. Who knows what other creatures are there? Can I give her a name? Alfred said excitedly. Um, she's Puddles. Come along, Puddles. Let's go save the island. The Island of Prempers, Chapter 4. The Bookstore Gets Trashed by Ginger Juan. Notice, the start of this chapter is just a bunch of nonsense. Alfred and his sister hopped onto the baby giraffe. Lindsay fed her a stretchy berry, and she galloped away. To the filthy bookstore, Alfred shouted as he held tight onto Puddle's neck. One gushed on his face, blowing his hair. Puddle's didn't stop until they reached the old bookstore. How did she know where to go? Alfred asked. I may or may not have fed her a smartsberry too, she said. Puddles let the siblings slide off her neck, and Alfred pushed the heavy door open. Now, let the adventure begin, Alfred whispered to himself. The bell rang, and Mr. Ribble appeared instantly with a book and a feather duster. What do you want, he screeched. If you want a book, then get out of here. Well, this looks like a fun place to hang, Alfred started. What do you mean to hang? This is a bookstore. Nobody was meant to come here, Mr. Ribble said, waving his feather duster around. Says a grandpa who holds a bunch of chicken fur, explained Lindsay. We want you to quit being so mean to us children. Being mean to children? Who said I was being mean to children, the man asked. Everyone, Lindsay said. You never let anyone in the bookstore and you chase them away with your chicken fur. Now that's called mean. It's the feather duster, Mr. Ribble screamed, very much frustrated. Will you or will you not quit your job and be a nice adult, Alfred asked him. Quit my job, he said. Do you think I'm crazy? I love my books and I will never ever leave them and I'm feather duster. Well, you can still read your books at home, Lindsay said. Books are not for reading, the old man scoffed. They're for watching. I watch them on the bookshelves every day. I don't want to go home. My wife doesn't like books, and I'm more willing to choose my books than my wife. Besides, I'm not sure if my wife is still alive or not. I haven't been there for centuries. You mean your home? Alfred asked him. No, the graveyard, Mr. Ribbles replied. I haven't been there to check if she's dead or not. Why didn't you just use the telephone? Lindsay asked. Because that thing couldn't connect to the graveyard, he said. I mean to check on your wife, Lindsay said. Oh, I don't do that, he said. I'm not stupid. I don't know if she's dead or not. If she's dead, I wouldn't be talking to anyone on the phone. That's why you should check on her, Alfred screamed. Mr. Ribble started startled for a moment. You children are clearly out of your mind. That's why I don't like children. Now, get out of my bookstore before I use my baby. The chicken fur? Lindsay said. No, the feather duster, he screamed. That is quite enough nonsense, Alfred said. The author said the start of this chapter is a bunch of nonsense, and I think this is not the start anymore. Right, Lindsay agreed, and I think it is time for us to use our baby. Right after she finished the sentence, they both shouted, Puddles! Puddles came running in the bookstore, and Mr. Ribble dropped his feather duster. My baby, he shouted, but Puddles saw the chicken fur on the ground, and she thought it was some kind of plant. So she scooped it up, jammed it in her mouth, and chomped away. No, Mr. Ribbles cried. He reached out his hands to pull the feather duster out of Puddle's mouth, but he was too short. I thought you fed her a smartsberry. Isn't she supposed to know that thing is not edible? Alfred asked his sister. I guess smartsberries have limits, she said. The precious feather duster had completely disappeared in Puddle's stomach, and Mr. Ribbles was scrambling around the room, trying to grab every book and put them to safety. I knew I should bought a smaller bookstore, he sobbed. You know you would never grab all the books in time, right? Alfred asked him. Please don't do this. My books are the only thing there's left for me the bookshop the bookshop owner cried i would do anything then stop being mean lindsay said that's why we're trying to that's what we're trying to tell you the whole time i'll do anything he cried except stop being mean well too bad alfred said because that's the only thing we want from you do you want money mr ribbles asked Do you have money, Lindsay said. No, Mr. Ribbles replied. Then there's nothing else we want, Alfred said. I know I asked you a hundred times, but will you stop being mean? Mr. Ribble hesitated. Puddles stretched her long neck and ate one of Mr. Ribbles' book. The man screamed and screamed as Puddles chewed, but he still refused to stop being mean. From what I can see, he would never agree to be nice, so they should just stop trying, because this is really getting old. Fine, fine, I will be nice, Mr. Ribble said. You are always wrong, Arthur, Lindsay muttered. Hey, don't you dare blame me. Sorry, let's jump back into the story. I promise to be nice for the rest of my life, Mr. Ribble said. Good, Alfred said. Now we have other things to do. So if you dare to be mean again, your books get it. The terrified man nodded crazily as the siblings jumped back onto Puddle's back and she galloped off to the next stop. To the school! Island of Primpers Chapter 5 Detention by Ginger John. Puddles the giraffe arrived at the school and once again dropped Alfred and Lindsay off. The siblings walked into the gates. The guard looked up from his phone. Hey, you kids, get away from here or you'll get detention, he said, and went back to playing on his phone okay, sir. Alfred and Lindsay shouted back at him and walked into the school. The guard didn't bother telling them to stop. This is a record, Alfred exclaimed. Yeah, breaking into the school. I've never done that. I was afraid I'd get detention, Lindsay said. No, I mean going to school twice in a day, Alfred said. Oh, yeah, Lindsay said. That's a record, too. They walked up the stairs to the sixth floor, where the detention room was. You could hear the cackling of Miss Clark from outside the door. Alfred whispered Puddles' name, and her head stretched up to the sixth floor. Come up here, Puddles, he said. Puddles clanged tight onto the wall with her mouth and pulled her up. Are you ready to give Miss Clark what she deserves, sis? Alfred whispered. Oh, yeah, I am, Lindsay said. All of a sudden, Miss Clark stopped her evil laugh. Who said that? She bellowed. Who said what? A child in the detention room asked. Who said, oh, yeah, I am, the woman screeched. Alfred motioned for his sister and Puddles to hide but a giraffe isn't really great at hide-and-seek. Hide, Puddles, Alfred whispered loudly. There it is again, Miss Clark said. Who's that? Puddles jerked her head one way. Alfred and Lindsay tried everything they could to hide Puddles, but she wouldn't fit anywhere. She just kept swinging her head around and around, like trying to tell them she didn't understand. The principal put her stick down and marched out of the room. Alfred and Lindsay held their breaths. Miss Clark screamed as she saw the giraffe in her school and ran back into the room to get her stick. You two are in detention, she shouted at Alfred and Lindsay. I am giving you two extra punishments and maybe expel you after that. We're not here for detention, Lindsay said. "'We're here to give you what you deserve.' "'Ooh, you mean hot dogs?' Miss Clark asked, dropping her stick. "'No, some punishments,' Alfred said. "'The one thing I haven't told you about Miss Clark is that she really liked hot dogs. "'So if you ever get to detention by Miss Clark, you should just bribe her and give her a hot dog. "'I believe she would happily let you go.' "'And hot dogs?' she asked. "'There are no hot dogs!' Lindsay cried. "'Oh,' Miss Clark said. "'Then I'm out. You two get detention and get me some hot dogs.' She took out a hot dog and bit it. "'Eat that, Puddles,' Alfred ordered. He had learned to just get rid of the stuff the mean grown-ups liked. It's easier.' Puddles stretched her neck and ate the hot dog. "'Hey!' Miss Clark cried. "'My hot dog!' "'You want hot dogs? Then be nice to us, children, "'or you shall never have another hot dog again,' Lindsay said. "'I will never give up my dream,' Miss Clark whined. "'I haven't won the meanest school principal prize.' "'How are hot dogs going to help?' Alfred asked. "'Don't you dare insult my hot dogs,' she snapped. "'Anyway,' Lindsay started after a while. Are you going to stop being mean and be nice for once? I will decide after I win the meanest school principal prize, Miss Clark said. I'm sick of arguing with grown-ups, Alfred cried. Let her have it, Puddles. Puddles stretched her tongue and pulled out every single hot dog in Miss Clark's pocket and gobbled them up. Miss Clark managed not to cry. Puddles fumbled around her pocket for a bit and pulled out her 1,000-pages notebook. "'No!' Miss Clark screamed. "'I worked on that for years and made a lot of children suffer,' Lindsay added. "'I don't really care,' the principal said. "'As long as I don't suffer, it is fine. "'In fact, I think the whole world should bow down to me because I shouldn't be suffering.'" "'That doesn't make sense,' Alfred replied. "'And you don't even think or care about other people's feelings,' Lindsay said. "'This world is just about me and my notebook, of course,' she said. "'Other things don't matter. "'As long as me and the notebook are safe, "'so why don't you two get in detention room and suffer?' "'This woman is mad,' Alfred said to his sister.' I am not mad, Miss Clark said. What I'm thinking and doing is always right. It's just me and the notebook. Ah! The siblings turned around to see puddles chewing away with the notebook, which was covered in giraffe saliva, green grass, and some purple part, which should be the stretchy berries and the smart berry. Miss Clark screamed like crazy. She couldn't stop that notebook is my life she screamed like mad you two correction you three get detention for the rest of your life miss clark you can't give a giraffe a detention Lindsay said she's too tall she might break your ceiling i don't care what it is she is not tall enough to break my ceiling miss clark said it was true puddles was just a baby giraffe and her neck is not long enough. But this part of the story, the main character always does something smart, so I'm pretty sure the problem will be solved. Yes, she is tall enough, Alfred said. Puddles, stretch! Puddles stretched her neck higher and higher while she was still chewing on the big notebook. Miss Clark gazed in amazement and watched her notebook go up. My... Baby, She kept whispering to herself. Puddles stretched so high that we couldn't see her anymore. And Miss Clark had a huge meltdown. Get my notebook back, she scowled. Alfred and Lindsay watched for a while. Let's just leave her screaming and go free the children, Alfred said. Lindsay nodded her head in agreement. But when they turned around, all the children and... detention had gone and were running around. Mission accomplished, Lindsay said and shrugged. We should do something about that woman. She's nuts, Alfred suggested. So the two children carried her to the outside of the cupboard in the detention room, put a desk and an upside down chair on the cupboard in the cupboard pushed the principal in and piled some books on top. This should buy us a few years, Alfred said. Let's come here to move her into a cage five years later. By then, we would be strong enough to move her. Now she's got detention for the rest of her life, Lindsay joked. The two slapped a high five. Then they both shouted, Puddles, let's go! Island of Primpers, Chapter 6. It's time for some toys by Gender John. After a long ride on Puddle's back to the handmade product shop, Alfred and his sister jumped off their ride and into the store. There were all sorts of toys and pencils lying on the floor and on the tables. Mr. Hewitt liked to make pencils the most because they were the easiest and most expensive one regular pencil the ones that don't eat you cost at least a hundred dollars remember i put air quotes around dozen mr hewitt was sitting on his sofa making a pile of pencils there was a chart nailed on the wall next to him it said mr hewitt's daily work Mr. Hewitt looked up from his work. Hey, kids, he greeted. You want to buy some pencils? They don't eat you. No, Mr. Hewitt, Lindsay replied. We're here to give you some trouble. Mr. Hewitt glared at his chart. Oh, no, no, no. There's nothing here that matches someone coming into my shop and giving me some trouble. I must obey my chart. Now, shoo, shoo. Mr. Hewitt got up and used his pencils ch- to chase them out, sort of like Mr. Ribble and his chicken foot Sorry, Feather Duster. I like Lindsay's version better. The pencils opened their mouths and showed their sharp teeth. They chomped and chomped at the air. Alfred and Lindsay backed away a little, but they shouldn't be backing away in the story. They should be standing out. We shouldn't be backing away, Alfred whispered. We should be standing out. Yeah, I just said that. Oh, right, Lindsay whispered back. Puddles, attack! The giraffe heard Lindsay's shout and stretched her neck outside. The She started slapping Mr. Hewitt's face with her tongue, and Mr. Hewitt wiped her live off his face and o- over and over again. We need to come up with another plan, Alfred said. This is not going to work. Hey, what about that chart over there? I think Mr. Hewitt really relies on that thing, Lindsay suggested. Let's go take a closer look. The siblings ran over to the chart under Mr. Hewitt's daily work. There are all sorts of things like make regular pencils Clean the shop, make horrible toys, or watch as the children run away with a terrified face and laugh. This is it. When we came here to give him some trouble, he said there wasn't anything that matched giving him trouble. He loves that, that thing like Mr. Clark loved her notebooks and Mr. Ribble loved his books and chicken fur, Lindsay said. It's a feather duster, Alfred corrected. Do you really care? Lindsay argued back. No, Alfred said. Let's just forget about it and punish Mr. Hewitt. Lindsay nodded and Alfred pu- pulled the chart off the wall. Mr. Hewitt turned around and saw it. Hey, don't you dare touch my chart, he shouted. Oops, I guess I just did, Alfred said, and he ripped the chart apart. No, without it, I don't know what to do next, Mr. Hewitt cried. This whole day just went by and almost nothing matched my chart. I don't think I planned on being licked by a giant monster that has a really cool neck and now my chart is gone and I don't even know if I planned it. Like we said, "'We're here to give you some trouble, Mr. Hewitt,' Lindsay said. "'But there's one thing you can do to stop all this from happening.' "'What is that?' the man who was covered in giraffe spit and grass asked eagerly. "'Stop being such terrible grown-up,' Lindsay said. "'If you agree to be good, then we will stop.' "'Do you think I'm stupid?' he laughed a few moments later. The adult's number one priority, never to trust a child. Number two, never be nice to a child. Number three, always be horrible. Number- Stop, Alfred interrupted. We don't want to listen to your you blubber stupid words for who knows how long. Just agree to be nice for the rest of your life and that would save us a lot of trouble. Again, Mr. Hewitt said. Number one priority, just- Stop! Lindsay shouted at him. Just quit listening to those stupid rules. I have to follow the real rules, Mr. Hewitt said. And why is that? Because rule number one hundred seventeen is if somebody disobeys the rules, he or she will be kicked out, and he or she shall not be part of us, he replied. Enough with your rules, Lindsay shouted. Who made up these rules, anyways? Alfred asked. Me, Mr. Hewitt said. Why? Alfred asked again. For fun, and sometimes because I like to follow rules. But there aren't really many rules on this little island, so m- I made some up, he said. Oh, and by the way, I told you to go away a million times. So behold, my toy armies are about to attack! Right after he finished the sentence, a thousand little toy soldiers marched out from a cardboard box. Mr. Hewitt was laughing like crazy and pushing buttons on the little controller. Are you guys thirsty? Have some water, you spoiled, filthy children. He pressed a button, water sprayed out from the soldiers' chests. Alfred and Lindsay ducked and called to the puddles for help. Puddles, who was nibbling away at a pile of pencils which exploded in her stomach, came running to Alfred and Lindsay. She stuck out her tongue, wrapped it around a toy soldier, and put it into her mouth. The toy crunched inside her mouth and Puddles gulped it down her throat. Again and again Puddles ate. She finished every soldier in the handmade products shop. One of them was firing bullets when she gobbled it down, but the bullets didn't harm Paulos at all because, to her, it was just a massage for her tummy. Mister Hewitt watched in shock. "You, you destroyed my soldiers," he said, still mused. "Guess you weren't that smart after all," Lindsay said with a triumphant smile on her face. "Is that all you got?" "Of course not." Mr. Hewitt said, surprise attack. Suddenly, a robot zoomed out from a dark room and it was holding about a hundred pencils in its hands. Before anyone could move, it threw the pencils on the floor. Boom, boom, boom. The pencils exploded and through the black smoke, you could see the robot was totally destroyed. Its hands was blown and its whole body was black. Ashes flew in the air. It was like the whole world was going in slow motion. A pencil near Lindsay and Alfred started to blow. Puddles, who was standing far away, sensed something was wrong. After all, she was a giraffe who ate a smartsberry. She stretched her neck longer and longer until she finally reached her friends. The pencil on the floor started sizzling with flames and the fire bursted. Puddle wrapped her neck around the two and pulled back just in time to pull them away from the exploding pencil. Alfred and Lindsay watched as the pencils exploded and blew up. The whole workshop turned into place with only black ashes. The people outside walked past them and pretended like nothing happened. The pencils finally stopped and the siblings hugged Puddles tightly around her neck. You saved our lives, Puddles, Alfred said. Thank you. Meanwhile, Mr. Hewitt, on the other hand, was throwing his toys and robots that were left on the ground, cursing them at the same time. Alfred and Lindsay quietly gathered up their things, rode on Puddles' back, and left. The Island of Preppers Chapter 7, Haircut Day by Ginger John After the three left Mr. Hewitt and his store, they arrived at the hair salon, owned by Mrs. Francis. She was busily looking at herself in the mirror when they entered. Oh, hi little girl and little boy, she greeted in a friendly tone. Little girl, you can go sit on that chair and the boy can sit on that chair. I'll be done in a sec. We're not here for Lindsay said. Let her have what she wants, Alfred whispered. Why? Lindsay asked. You'll see, Alfred said. I'm going to prank her real hard. Is it because she cut your hair like a giant gorilla and everyone laughed at you for a whole year and you got the nickname Gorilla Head? No, Alfred stammered. Yes, and I'm getting revenge. You'll see. They both sat in the chairs Mrs. Francis ordered them to and waited as the hairstylist looked at the mirror for, from every different angle for like 40 minutes. Are you done, Mrs. Francis? Lindsay finally asked. Just a sec, didn't I tell you that? she replied. A few hours later, Lindsay couldn't wait anymore. She stood up and yelled at Mrs. Francis. If you don't get here right now, I am going to leave. Mrs. Frances frantically tucked the square mirror in her handbag and pushed her cart full of tools, correction, not full of... with a tool, which is her famous golden giant scissors. She sat down next to Alfred's chair and said, I'll start with the boy. Then she whispered to Alfred, "'The girl has anger issues.'" Alfred didn't say anything, and when Mrs. Francis pulled out the golden scissor, Alfred's memory of Mrs. Francis holding the pair of scissors and cutting his hair into a gorilla head flashed up in his head, he calmed himself down, and right after, at the moment when the woman was cutting the first bunch of hair, he turned around and said, "'Can I have a look at those scissors?' Mrs. Francis was startled for a moment. "'Why should I let you?' she asked. "'I'm evil too,' Alfred whispered in her ear. "'I like to make my friends miserable. "'Now, can I take a look at that beautiful pair of scissors?' "'Well,' she started. "'I do like the fact that you called them beautiful.' and she handed Alfred the scissors. Alfred thanked her, but he turned around and snipped Mrs. Francis' hair off. Ah! She screamed. My hair! My beautiful hair! Alfred kept snipping away. He didn't really know how to cut somebody's hair, so he decided to make Mrs. Francis's hair like a giant gorilla. After he was done, and Mrs. Francis looked in the mirror. She screamed the loudest loudest and shrillest and longest scream in the whole universe history. She screamed for exactly 12 minutes, 12 minutes and 53.8 seconds. That was really long. That's all right, she said when she was done screaming. I'll just go get some hair extensions. All right," Lindsay said, picking up a bunch of hair on the floor. Your hair is right there. Or is it? What do you mean, she asked. They're right there on the floor. Puddles, there's food for you, Alfred shouted. The puddles came trotting in, and she gobbled up the hair on the ground in no time flat. Mrs. Frances, who now looked like a giant screaming gorilla, tried to fight the giraffe for her hair, but puddles would do anything for food. So she lost. You're going to pay for this, she screamed. I am going to make you pay. Pay! You're not, Lindsay said, because goodbye. No, no, no! I'm not done with you yet. You wait and see. I will get revenge, the woman shouted and shouted. Actually, that thing I did there was revenge, Alfred stopped to say. For what? Mrs. Francis asked. You cut my hair like a giant gorilla a few years ago, he replied. That's how I got the idea to cut yours like a gorilla. How did you know gorillas exist? she asked again. I thought Mr. Barnett doesn't allow you children to look at the animals. Oh, so gorillas are animals, Lindsay said. I thought there was some kind of vegetable. I thought there was some kind of tree, Alfred said. So you guys don't know what a gorilla is, Mrs. Francis said. Us grown-ups are so mean. You finally realized, Lindsay said sarcastically. I shall be meaner, she cried. And there's the twist, Alfred said. Children are supposed to respect the grown-ups and serve us, she shouted. I am going to punish you kids for making me look like a gorilla by making you look like one. Again! She turned around to take her scissors, but screamed when she saw the sight. Puddles ate her scissors i guess mrs francis just went wanted to get out of there so she grabbed her mirror and fled but puddles saw the shiny thing in her hands and she stretched her head and grabbed the mirror with her tongue mrs francis pulled and pulled but she was no match for a giraffe who had eaten a smart berry and some stretchy berries puddles flung the mirror in the air and fell into her mouth crunch 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 Mrs. Francis watched in terror as she shooed, and when the mirror disappeared into Puddle's tummy, she just collapsed. Is this really what she deserves? Alfred asked his sister. I guess so, Lindsay replied. She did give most children on the island awful haircuts and make them look like gorillas. At least we learned something today, Alfred said. I finally know what a gorilla is. Yeah, that is very impressive, Lindsay said. I bet out of all the kids on this island, only you and me know what a gorilla is. The Island of Primpers, Chapter 8, Animals, by Ginger John. The three arrived at the zoo, and Alfred and Lindsay slid off Puddle's neck. They got to the zoo's gate and on the gate it said, One and only zoo, please tell us this animal's name and we shall let you in. And there's a picture of a gorilla. Well, that's easy, Alfred said. We sure are lucky today. That sign should be how Mr. Barnett recognizes a child or a grown-up, Lindsay said. If you can't tell that is a gorilla, then you're a grown-up. Then we can go in and watch the animals! Lindsay, this is great!" Alfred cried excitedly. Suddenly, a rough voice came out from the little hut next to them. Who is it outside? Tell us the animals' name! Lindsay and Alfred exchanged looks and both shouted, GORILLA! The voice suddenly became quite friendly. And the man inside the hut started to chuckle. Come and in, come into the zoo of my dear adult friends, he said. First time at the zoo? Let me show you around. But as soon as he walked out of the hut, he saw the little boy and little girl standing in front of him. He was a bit surprised. Oh, have I have never met a person so small, he said. What are your names? I am Mr. Swuggly and she is Miss Swuggler," Alfred said. This indeed is the first time we have come to this fascinating zoo. I'm sorry, but why haven't you met little humans before? Lindy asked the man. Oh, you mean children, the man said. I've been in this hut for a very long time. If people outside cannot tell us what the animal is, then Mr. Barnett would come out to meet the filthy child. I only meet adults. My name is Mr. Turner. Nice to meet you. Mr. S- I'm sorry, I forgot your name. Oh, that's quite alright, Alfred said. What is your name? My, My name is Mr. Swangle, Alfred stammered. ''I beg your pardon?'' the man asked him. ''I don't think it is Mr. Squangle. Can you say that again?'' ''He is Mr. Swanley,'' Miss Lindsay replied. ''No, I don't think it's Swanley either,'' Mr. Turner said, rubbing his chin with his finger. ''That only means one thing. ''Mr. Barnett, these children are pretending to be adults. Hand me the red permanent marker.'' Mr. Barnett rushed out of the room with the red marker. Alfred and Lindsay began to panic. He's going to ban us from the zoo, Lindsay cried. Run! The siblings ran as fast as they could, but Mr. Barnett was very fast too. He caught up with them in no time flat, and he pulled off the lid of the marker. Alfred and Lindsay ran as Mr. Barnett was doing so. They ran into the zoo. But Mr. Turner didn't bother chasing them. He just went back into the little hut. Turner, help me get those children, Mr. Barnett shouted, still struggling to pull off the lid. We agreed to this, Mr. Turner shouted back. Children are none of my business. But I want to greet the adults too, Mr. Barnett cried stop whining like a child and get to work mr turner scolded mr Barnett grunted and with a mighty roar he finally pulled away the lid off and of the marker he laughed maniacally as he held the giant red marker and ran around the zoo while alfred and his sister were running too they were pretty amazed by the animals in the zoo and when they came across the giraffe town thought of puddles puddles alfred screamed puddles come here puddles heard this and she galloped around the zoo to where her friends were alfred and lindsay climbed onto puddles back and told her to go but she remained in her place and refused to move puddles what are you doing alfred asked her puddles gave a tiny screech and swung her head towards giraffe town there are about 15 giraffes, from very tall to very tall. Still, From very tall to tall, all standing up straight and eating some leaves. Aw, she missed home, Lindsay said. We have no time. We have to go or Puddles might never go home. We would be banned from the zoo, Alfred said, patting Puddles on the neck. Puddles star- stared at the giraffes groaned and slowly walked away. The three were out of the zoo, and meanwhile Mr. Barnett was still carrying the huge marker, running around the zoo, shouting, "You two filthy children are banned from my zoo forever! Show your butts so I can draw on your faces! I bet he would miss us when we're gone, Alfred laughed. Then he won't have anyone to chase around the zoo. Oh yes, he will. A voice behind them said, and a rough pair of hands grabbed their shoulders. Alfred and Lindsay both turned their heads around and gasped. Mr. Turner? I thought you said children aren't your problem, Lindsay said, squirming in the air. Why'd you change your mind? I hate children, Mr. Turner exclaimed. Why do children exist? Why? Why? "'Because if there weren't children, there wouldn't be adults,' Alfred said. "'And if there weren't children and adults, there wouldn't be humans. "'And if there weren't humans, who would rule the world?' "'I would,' Mr. Turner said. "'You would,' Lindsay said. "'You are much too old to rule the Earth. "'You can barely lift your own head. "'Look at you.' "'It was true. "'Mr. Turner wasn't lifting his head very high.' Oh, yeah, he shouted at them. I'm too old to lift my own head. That is so not true. If I can't lift my head, why can I lift you two stupid brats? I am so done with you dumb children. After I rule the world, I'm canceling every single one of you. Alfred and Lindsay looked at each other and bursted out laughing. What's so funny, Mr. Turner asked. I'm going to rule the world. You just wait and see. You can't even rule the stupid zoo, Alfred said. You can't even let us children learn here. How can you possibly rule the earth? Mr. Turner thought for a moment. You're right. I am a bad grown-up, he said to himself. I, I can't rule the world like this. That's why you should start being nice to us, Lindsay chimed in. I will, Mr. Turner said, letting Alfred and Lindsay down. I'm going to be nice, and I shall rule this world. That's the spirit, Alfred said. Now, go fire Mr. Barnett. We have other things to do. Mr. Turner said goodbye and left. Why did he just agree to be good? Lindsay asked her brother. Nah, he's old and his brain is a little weird. Old people are dumb, Alfred said. I don't mean to taunt old people. Please forgive me. They both laughed, rode on Pluto's back once again, and the draft galloped away. The Island of Preppers, Chapter 7, Art. Alfred and his sister got to the Pumper's Art Museum and the the siblings walked up the stairs to the art classroom which was in the museum on the third floor. When they got there, Miss Devine was in the classroom painting her masterpiece. It wasn't really good. When she saw Alfred and Lindsay coming, she looked at her notebook and said, Alfred, Lindsay, you two are early your classes are on saturday and sunday uh we know alfred said mom texted you and said she wanted us to have class today remember miss devine thought for a moment and shook her head well whatever let's just start get the paint brushes and the gallon of yellow paint over there i'm almost done finishing this masterpiece Lindsay rolled her eyes and grabbed a paintbrush and a gallon of yellow paint. She actually liked painting, but Miss Devine ruined it for her. A few hours later, Miss Devine was still painting her artwork. Miss Devine, didn't you say you were almost done? Alfred asked. Yeah, I'm almost done, the art teacher said. But it's been four hours, Lindsay whined. Art takes time, Lindsay, she replied. You'll have to be patient if you want to be a real artist. Lindsay stood up and glared at Miss Devine's masterpiece. It was just some yellow blotches and a thing in the middle that kind of looks like a smiley face. Really, though? That's not great, Miss Devine, she said. Here, give me that. She snatched her paintbrush and paint out of her hands and pushed her out of the way. Hey, the teacher yelled, don't you dare ruin my artwork, Lindsay, that's a masterpiece. Oh, don't worry, Lindsay replied, I'll just repaint it. She ripped the paper apart and started to dab her paintbrush in the paint, humming to herself as she worked. Alfred held Miss Devine's arm so she wouldn't escape. Miss Devine tried to break free, but she ended up just shouting and screaming, unable to move. Let me go, let me go. Lindsay stepped away from the paper a few minutes later. She painted a beautiful sunset in only five minutes. That's awful, Mr. Bean, who was too tired to scrim now, said. You're nothing but a dumb brat. Let's just get this over with, Lindsay said. I really don't like you. Come here. Alfred let go of Miss Devine's arms, and she collapsed on the ground. Hey! she shouted at him. Shouldn't you tell me before you let go? Well, you're the one who kept shouting, Let me go, Alfred shouted back. Quit whining and come here to help me up, Miss Devine screamed. Why don't you just stand up? Alfred asked. Oh, yeah, Miss Devine said, and stood up. Come here, Miss Devine, Lindsay ordered. Miss Devine didn't bother asking why, and she walked to Lindsay. Now, this is called art, she shouted, and poured the gallon of yellow paint in her head, on her head. You are in big trouble, Lindsay, Miss Devine exclaimed. I'm going to, here, here, eat some paint, Alfred said, and stuffed the paintbrush into Miss Devine's mouth. Lindsay gasped. Why did you do that? she asked. She made me eat paint a few uh, a few years ago, Alfred replied. I couldn't get the paint out of my mouth, so she used a paintbrush as a toothbrush, but that only tasted worse. Hello? They heard Miss Devine's muffled cries. They both turned around and saw the art teacher covered in paint with a paintbrush in her mouth. The ridiculous look made the siblings laugh hysterically. "'A little help here?' she cried. "'Why don't you just take the paintbrush out of your mouth?' Alfred asked. "'Oh, yeah,' came the muffled voice. They all waited and exchanged glances. "'Do it!' Lindsay screamed at her. "'Oh, yeah,' she said and pulled the paintbrush out of her mouth. "'She's so stupid!' Alfred whispered to Lindsay's ear. Lindsay agreed so did you learn your lesson what lesson the teacher asked i'm a teacher i'm the one who's supposed to have lessons did you learn your lesson that means are you going to be nice lindsay explained yeah i'm nice she said what alfred asked confused i think you're nice too mr Green said i took a lesson and i don't need to pay what alfred repeated We don't get what you're talking about, Lindsay chimed in. You children are stupid, Mr. Veen muttered. You don't understand anything. And you paint dumb things on my paper. Do I have to suffer like this? Huh, Lindsay said. That's it, Mr. Veen. We are punishing you. That doesn't make sense, she said. I took a lesson. What? Alfred asked. Who cares, Lindsay screamed, and grabbed five jars of paint and splashed them onto Miss Devine's head once again. Am I taking a lesson now, Miss Devine asked, because this is totally not fun. I want my money back. You dumb freak, Lindsay cursed. I'm getting rid of you right now. Can I have a drink first, the art teacher asked. No, the sibling screamed. Okay, okay. She said, no reason to freak out. Let's figure this out calmly. The door slammed, and Miss Devine was left in the room, covered with paint. She laughed. Children are stupid, she said to herself. The Island of Preppers, Chapter 10, PREMPERS by Ginger John. Alfred and Lindsay were laughing and shouting about the stupid Miss Devine on the way to their last stop, Mr. and Mrs. Pember's castle. Puddles stopped outside the castle moat, and Alfred and his sister started brainstorming on how they should get into the castle. I don't know how to swim, Alfred said. Neither do I, Lindsay said. Hmm, maybe Puddles could scare away the beasts outside the castle and we could use a tree trunk to cross the moat, Alfred suggested. How will we cut down the tree, Lindsay pointed out. They both thought for a moment. Maybe Puddles could be our way to cross the moat, Lindsay said. She just stretches her neck and we walk on her neck. That could work, Alfred said. Let's try. Alfred ordered Puddles to stretch her neck across the castle moat and bite onto one of the windows. That way they wouldn't have to face the creatures outside the castle. Puddles did so, and Alfred began to climb on Puddles' neck. But her neck kept swimming, swim, swinging and swinging, and Alfred fell into the moat. Oh no! Lindsay cried. Puddles, stretch your legs and walk in the moat. Try to find Alfred. He can't swim. Puddles stretched her legs and stepped in the moat easily. She stepped around the water a few seconds later, jammed her own head into the water, and pulled out poor Alfred. Lindsay sighed in relief as the giraffe and Alfred climbed back on shore. That was scary, Alfred said, choking from water. Yeah, Lindsay agreed. I practically had a heart attack. The siblings struggled to think of a new plan. We can just ride on Puddle's back and tell her to walk over the other side, Alfred suggested. Hmm, why didn't we think of that earlier? Lindsay wondered. Alfred shrugged. Let's do it. Lindsay helped Alfred climb onto Puddle's back, and soon they were both bored. Let's go, Alfred declared, and Puddle splashed into the moat again. This time it was easy as pie, but neither one of them let their guard down until Puddle's reached the end of the moat, because there were still a pretty scary creatures outside the castle wa- waiting. They snapped their jaws violently, drooling all over the floor. Alfred Alfred climbed onto Puddle's head and told her to stretch to the nearest window. Then I will go, Lindsay ordered. Alfred obediently did as his sister told. He grabbed hold tight onto the giraffe until he was safely in the castle. He looked around. Nobody was there. Lindsay, on the other hand, was struggling to get onto Puddle's head. Alfred walked around the room. It seemed like a bedroom. There was a king-sized bed in the middle, a TV, some chairs, and a night table next to the bed. He heard laughter outside, so he crept slowly out of the room. Lindsay finally got onto Alfred's head. It was very dark outside the room. Candlelights dimly lit the hallway. Several doors on the side. There was a glimpse of light down the stairs, so Alfred tiptoed down the stairs to take a look. He saw Mr. and Mrs. Primper sitting side by side on a huge couch, bowls of popcorns on their le- laps. The big TV screen was shining and a movie was on display. Alfred watched for a while, suddenly feeling sorry for the couple. They were just enjoying their lives, he thought. How could we blame them? Meanwhile, Lindsay finally reached the window and was exploring the bedroom, but she was also trying to get puddles into the room because they couldn't just leave a giraffe out in the water for who knows how long. The movie in the living room was almost ending. Alfred still didn't make his move. He just stood there, watching Mr. and Mrs. Prempers. We cannot punish them, Alfred thought. They're not responsible for all the awful adults on this island. After all, they are my parents. Lindsay finally got Puddles through the window, and now she had a new problem. Where's Alfred? Luckily, she also heard the TV sound and Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Primper's laughter, so she led Puddles down the stairs to the living room, too. But it was kind of hard to not notice a draft walking into the room, so Mrs. and Primp- Mrs. Primpers were totally freaked out. Mr. Pumper was huffing and puffing after the scare. Mrs. Pumper totally lost it. Screaming, she ran around the castle a few times. Why are you here, Mr. Pumper asked angrily. How did you get past the monsters I planted outside the moat? Well, first of all, we are here to give you a lesson, Lindsay said. And a second, because we're smart. Third, fear us. Alfred cleared his throat. "'What she meant to say is we want to ask some questions,' he corrected. "'Do you have children, Mr. and Mrs. Primpers?' "'Um, I suppose I don't,' Mr. Primpers said, "'as Mrs. Primpers was still running around the house. "'Now, can you get out?' "'We have more questions,' Alfred said quickly. "'If you have a child, will you throw him out of the castle and into the moat?' Mr. Primper thought for a moment, but was interrupted by Mrs. Primper's. I I, I saw a mo- monster in our living room, she exclaimed out of breath, and then she screamed again. Eh, it's right there. Yeah, I think you're a little left behind, Lindsay said. Anyway, Alfred said, back to the question, Mr. Primper thought for a l- at least 10 minutes. Actually, come to think of it, I have done that before, he said finally. Really? Alfred said. And would you like him back? Mr. P- Mrs. Premper had a thoughtful look on her face. She had finally sat down quietly on the couch. I think having a kid would kind of be fun, she said, especially if he can already take care of himself because we threw him outside a few years ago. I wonder how he's doing now, Mr. Primpers said, rubbing his chin. So you do? Alfred asked decidedly. Mr. and P- Mrs. Primpers nodded. Alfred laughed and ran into their arms. Wait, so you were our son all along? Mrs. Primpers asked. Alfred nodded. You're so tall. While the family was reunited, Lindsay smiled at her brother and rode on puddles back. Dad and I will come visit you, she called out. So that was the story of Alfred's adventure. I know, there were a lot of dumb people in the story, but the dumbest one must be me. Because I made a huge mistake. Outside the castle, there's a little boy standing in front of the castle moat, and his name was Alfred. He was Mr. and Mrs. Premper's son the end.